Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, friends. You've got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. And uh, a massive week of fantasy footy has absolutely gone underway for us. One round of the multi-buy rounds has been done and completed. We have two more left to go uh, to talk about all things fantasy footy um, and to actually really think on exactly what this means for us. Thought I'd better get Kane back on the episode. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, MJ. Yourself? I'm well. There is plenty to talk to. We're streaming this live for our Patreons as well. They're getting in a, a nice little exclusive screening into this. It's one of the just a few rewards our Patreons get. If you want to go and check out our Patreon supported tier groups, all the links are at coachespanel.tv. Kane, there are six teams that have just come off the buy rounds. I want to talk about them. Uh, there are some brand new Ultimate Footy DPPs that have just landed in the past day or two. Um, well, day or two meaning hours or days, depending on when you're listening to this. But, mate, right out of the gate, there's a little bit of a game change that happened over the weekend, got confirmed by the AFL, and now we at least know from a fantasy coach's perspective how these next couple of weeks we get to navigate it. You want to walk us through what the formats have done and then some of the impacts this means for us as the fantasy footy community? Sure, MJ. Well, if we start with AFL Fantasy, no change this week. Still our three trades that we had planned. We've just gained one additional trade um, the following week in round 14, which um, maybe I'll go through the other formats before I get into maybe my point. But sure. um, the other two formats added two more trades in total, Supercoach and DT, um, with the ability to move four a week. So you've got a potential eight trades between now and the end of the buys if you so choose to use them. So maybe if we start with AFL fantasy, sure. um, this is probably the one that I was the most surprised with, um, you know, a game that preaches engagement the most. And I will preface by saying that I don't envy having to make a decision like nope. this. Um, I know that's really hard. And a lot of the decisions and people's reactions are governed by um, self-interest, which I think we're all guilty of as a, you know, wanting to play this game competitively and finish as high as we can in the rankings. You know, if it, worked out in our favor i think people were pretty happy with the decision they made of not many trades and just the yep. one um if people unfortunately were loaded with you know west coast and richmond players you know they're in a world of hurt so for me personally um i would have loved to see at least two more trades in that format i just feel like yeah. having one the people that are advantaged by that choice of one compared to people that are disadvantaged that gulf is massive I feel like yeah. by making it two, um, the people that were already in a good spot, obviously they can strengthen their team, but at least people that are in a bad spot can push to actually having 18. Um, so again, the decision's been made. We're stuck with it. Um, I don't feel like it's awfully fair at all. I don't think there would have been really any harm to the competition to have two more, um, which again, whether they wanted to make that be um, like DT and Supercoach did with the ability to move four a week. Um, I just feel like that's not enough. Like, especially when there's some really popular guys. Um, well, you think about, about it, you got Dustin, Dusty, Martin, for instance. Shy Bolton, Andrew Gaff, yeah, Shannon Hearn. Short, short. That, you know, when you have a great preseason like he did, um, you know, he got a lot more popularity than maybe 
um, he would have otherwise. So yep. ownership's quite high. And the thing as well, MJ, the main thing in this is we didn't know about this move of the buyers in round four or five. We found out, you know, even the possibility only about a week ago, really yeah. now. Yep. So you can't, you can't plan for those things. Again, DT and Supercoach, I think it's light again. When you've got people mm-hmm. who could be having between three to four of these guys and they've spent the whole year and preseason planning to have that split right, and now you could be taking four players out of a buy round on a week's notice and put them in another buy round. Like, it just seems like to me it's awfully harsh. Um, would have loved to see them just add more because, like I said, I don't think it really hurts the people that are in a good spot as much as yep. it hurts the people who are in a bad spot. Like, if it can just really... You could be having, you know, 13, 14 players, and especially in a, tra- a format where there's limited trades, having to go totally. sideways just to even field a team. Because if you don't get to 18 in one of those buy rounds, like you can lose 300 points in a round. And, and honestly, that is a season record when you're chasing, you know, the ranks that people in the coaches panel are chasing. So I felt, I felt like it was awfully harsh. Um, Again, obviously, we've just got to get on with it and, and do the best we can. But I just feel like we did miss an opportunity there um, to keep people engaged. And I think a lot of people who have a really tough this round and the following round in particular will lose interest. And, and no one yep. wins if that happens. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to put that on the table because I know people have been um, raising their concerns and they've been getting shot down. And obviously, like a footy game, the umpire is not going to change his call. They're not going to change <laughs> their call now. Nope. Um, but I still think it's important to express that desire and maybe try to explain why um, that would have been a good decision for the game. Because like I said, it's just going to really ruin your season for no reason. And a lot of people put a lot of time into this. They plan it out and even just, you know, diving deeper into it. There's people that we all know in our teams that we pass on because we go, well, I'm loaded in that buy. Like you think about yeah. people that maybe would have looked at a Darcy Parish, but they would have started the season with a, a Bont, a McRae, a Zach Merritt, a Walsh, a Cripps, a Lyons, a Neil, yeah, yeah. a Gaff, with <laughs> this expectation that I, I can't fit a Darcy Parish in. You know, I can't fit maybe a Dyson Heppel in a DT format where he was super cheap because of the buy. So it's just, yeah. it's a real kick in the guts when all of a sudden you get to this round when you thought you would be, you know, at least organised for, like most of our <laughs> listeners have been for 12 weeks. Um, I just thought... The extra trades would have made it really nice, but we're in that position now, and I guess we move on to strengthening our team with ideally players that have already had their first buy. Yeah, well, that's exactly the case. So as a recap for you, if you're trying to figure out what's happening in the formats, it is best 18 for the remaining two rounds of the multi-buy rounds. Uh, Supercoach and Dream Team have added two additional trades to the game. The good news is you can use them at any point in time you like. And they've also increased the maximum amount of trades you can make in this coming round 13 and in round 14. So you can make a maximum of four of your remaining trades to go while AFL Fantasy, as Keynes mentioned. Um, Nothing changed this week. You've got three trades a week as standard for them. And then just the additional one trade. And I I think of all the formats, that's probably the one that that you're hurting the most um, with, with luck not going your way. You need skill to win the game, but you also need luck to fall your way. And unfortunately, this is another variable of luck that is outside of coaches' uh, 
controls, so to say, and uh, they've got to find a way to navigate it. And great coaches find a way to make even the most difficult of circumstances move in their favor. So uh, right out of the gate came. It is upgrade season for coaches, no doubt about it. There have been six teams that have coming off the multi-buy around this week. And I thought maybe it would be good to kind of almost look club by club a little bit rather than position by position. At, sure. um, uh, who are some players we should be considering? Because for, for some, there's different focuses they've got. For some, they're in leagues and um, they're not playing and they don't care about ranks right now. So they're just using this couple of fortnight of remaining to improve their team. Others, they're going hell to leather this week and next to really make a rankings boost. Others have plenty of cash set aside. Some are really scraping the barrel to get there. So uh, let's talk about the Gold Coast Suns. One of the most popular names in the preseason is confirmed to play this week. Matt Rowell. We can talk about some other names in a minute, but is Rowell a legit option this week after not playing for a couple of months of footy? Can we go back to the world to Matt Rowell? Uh, not for me straight off the bat. I think yeah. one, obviously the injury, injury impacted score way back in round one. Um, funny that he's, he played West Coast around. He's going to come back against Frio all <laughs> those weeks later. But the break-evens, you know, nice and high for, you know, a guy coming off a long time out of the game. Um, yeah. I don't think there's going to be a score. Um, again, it is Matt Rowe. In the limited samples I've had, he can clearly score. But I just feel like if he does have a good score, maybe it validates it for the following week. Yeah. But he's just a guy that I'd love to have a look at. There's clearly injury concerns. There's risk. And really, is he going to play his full allotted minutes straight off the bat? Seems unlikely for me. Yeah. So he's definitely on my radar, especially when people are light on cash. I think he's a great guy to round out your midfield. That would be a really nice option if he's down at you know your M8. You'd feel pretty comfortable, um, yep. especially what you're paying for him. Um, but I feel like you're sort of forcing the issue for no reason just to grab him straight off off the bat. Yeah. Where I think it's always interesting is at the other end of the spectrum. You've got a guy like Tuke Miller who's been yeah, unbelievable. Nice. Frankly, way beyond what even I expected he could do. I sort of thought him as a hundred guy throughout his career. But then you see that shift in game style that, you know, the Suns are the best fantasy team this year in total mm. points, which is insane. It's crazy um, when you say it like that. And it's it's those it's those marks. It's that possession game that they're playing and yeah. Miller's always been a great tackler, which we love in fantasy. Yep. But when you add that outside game, um you know, he's gone to, he's in the 115, 120 realm pretty much every week. Um, obviously, he showed the big ceiling game against the Hawks with the 160 and DT. Yeah. Um, as good as that is, it really worries me paying that type of dollar to him with a row coming back in. Um, yeah. I just can't see how it has a positive impact. And when I'm paying that price, um, I think I can find some value elsewhere that can probably match him. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I understand why people are really attracted to him. Low ownership, again, big mm -hmm. ceiling, really consistent, uh, only missed the one game due to the suspension. Um, so there's nothing really body-wise. He's been a very durable player. Yeah. It just feels like when you're spending that top dollars, um, especially in a limited trades format where, again, just personally, it's I'm cash-strapped. So if I can save 100K on a premium here, 150K, you know, times three, 
it's going to allow me another upgrade without burning a trade. And, and trades is what's getting really tricky, especially with the impact of this West Coast and Richmond game moving. Um, it means that I'm probably just personally going to have to sideways premiums just to get 18 on the field. Yep. Um, so I feel like um, to get what you're paying for with Miller, you probably want the 125. And I just don't know if that's um, realistic for him over the final you know, 10 games of the year. Look, he's averaging 117 across the formats at the moment. Um, you, you look at his average in contrast to what he's doing in, in other midfielders. He's ranked second of midfielders behind, based on average, against um, McRae, the only ahead option. Yeah, I'm not counting the one game of Luke Shuey while in Supercoach. He's got an identical average to, to Jack Steele and Darcy Parrish, and he's averaging more than Walsh, Merritt, and Duncan. So he, he's, he's right. You're paying for the uniqueness of him, aren't you? More more than anything else is you're paying for that point of difference. Some other guys um, that you might be considering coming off the bye, Jack Bowes has been confirmed. He's also coming off an injury. Um, so that's an interesting one to consider. Jack Lacocious is defensive eligible. And he's had a nice couple of weeks um, mm. as, a, as a low pickup. Probably feels more like a super coach option. Um Given, you know, he scored, I think he's averaging about 110 in the past two weeks. Um, Brandon Ellis is... Now you, start, you start thinking again with these guys, you know, does the coaches have that spike because yeah. Bose is out of the side? And also, That's right. the other hard thing, I think, which is really interesting dynamic that it's worth bringing up now because it does impact all of these guys that we're considering is especially in the back line. Yeah. The bar is, again, we've spoken about... So it's high. Really, it's, really, it's really high. So they're all they're all actually around 14 guys. Like if you really could pick your back line afresh now, you want Crisp, you want Lloyd, you want Mills, you want Laird. Like you're starting there. So when you've got those guys chewing up real key positions, you know, doing it each week, doesn't really matter position for those guys. They just find a way. Um, We've spoken about this before, MJ. Are you better being patient and even if it means you don't get that premium in this week, yeah. could waiting and getting a Mills versus a Lacocious catch up maybe that 100 points you're losing in maybe one week at worst yeah. over the final 10? And that's what it feels like for me with a guy like Lacocious and maybe even Bose to that extent is are you just capping your scoring potential by, by getting them now because you just want to, you've got the cash to spend or you've got an upgrade that you want to make. Um, I think if you're doing that, they really need to be great, great value. And I feel yep. like with their form, maybe Bose is in a couple of weeks if he sort of bot- completely bottoms out, but we've just missed a run of Lakota's game. So for me, yeah. um, he's not really there. Brandon Ellis, you mentioned, I think is a guy that you can round out your midfield in DT with him. Um, yep. He had a really rough stretch of three games. Um, the encouraging thing in that for me is the team was really bad. Yeah. That's when Brandon, <laughs> he needs the team to be, doesn't have to be, don't have to be great. Clearly he was scoring when they um, were losing games too, but they have to have that ball control. And yep. you look at his scores that were poor. Yep. Again, two of them in particular, Brisbane, you know, that was, their worst game of the year by far. They were horrendous. Yeah. Geelong at Geelong at GMHBA. Geelong just owned the possession. Yeah. And then the Saints. Um, you know that was an that was a funny game as well. They they 
up and about. It's sort of even, but yeah, he just had a poor game with a 73. But you look prior to that, you know, he had a, he had a stretch from round two to seven where he was, you know, with the 169 he had against Colin, which is clearly an outlier. You know, that's a score you've missed. But like, sure. he showed he can be 105, 110 most weeks. And I look at the fixture and it's pretty good. You know, Fremantle, Port, North, Richmond, GWS. Like, that's a yeah, pretty nice. good five. Um, and you know that he's going to be on the park. Gold Coast aren't going to be um, doing anything really fancy. Like, they just need to be getting wins all the way throughout the season. You know, we'll talk about some other sides in this group of six that you do worry about bringing in a premium because are they just going to shake the whole thing up? I think we know yeah. with Brandon Ellis, having a Matt Rao probably helps him. If it's another player to win the ball and help them possess the ball, that's great for him. So I think in the Gold Coast realm, the one that's actually the most appealing to me is Ellis. I agree. Just due to that price. And the funny thing is, MJ, if you look at that point, if you go up to round seven, Brandon Ellis scored 821 points in detail. You think about what Tuke Miller did after those same seven games. He was 801. So very good. But Brandon had 20 points on him at that point. So yeah, true. when there's now 160K between them, mm-hmm. I think that band is going to be a lot closer in the run home. Yeah, I like that call. If we were to take our eyes uh, over to a, a fellow expansion team in GWS Giants, there's probably one guy that everybody's eyes go straight towards, um, and that's Lockie Whitfield. Would have been in probably along with the likes of Rory Laird, Jake Lloyd um, would have been in our starting teams as one of the most popular defensive premiums. Um, and, and then that internal bleeding or liver or spleen or whatever was his problem internally um, <laughs> that, that meant he actually couldn't get on the field in round one. He's had a couple of weeks. He, he's back off the buy round. Only hesitation coaches might have. There's probably two. One, he was seen just jogging laps at training this week. You know, take it or leave it, what that can mean. That could be load management. It could be a lot of different things. But that fixture for North um, North Melbourne this week and the, and the next couple of weeks, while it looks inviting on paper, it is layered with some potential tag targets. What's your take on Lockie Whitfield? Well, MJ, we spoke about this a lot in the preseason, especially in the 50. And, and mm. my stance on these type of guys is, I'd rather ride with them and know what their ceiling can be yeah. and spend every weekend cheering against them. So I'd rather <laughs> be one of those guys that if he's got a high ceiling, you know, preseason, the two we used particularly on the forward line was Dangerfield and Dunkley. Like these are guys that can take the competition away from me. Yeah, they can. Um, I'd rather be with them and Lucky Whitfield fits into that category. Now there are going to be people. And I think it's more if you're, maybe further down the ranks. This is where this comes into play. Personally, I'm doing quite well. So I'm probably more protecting my position and um, taking a guy like Lockie Whitfield in my team gives Mm. me that comfort that someone's not going to just have Lockie Whitfield and I don't. And he goes on a run of 150 for three weeks and I'm in a world of hurt. Um, I think the contrarian play of not picking him is for someone who wants to jump the rankings and they're hoping for an injury. They're hoping for a tag, which you're alluding to with this North Melbourne game. Um, but personally, if I'm, you know, not just doing it to be contrarian to, you know, hope things go my way, I like to ride with these guys that have the big ceiling. Um, yeah. And Lockie Whitfield 
is that guy. Yes, there's body concerns, which sure. is, you know, always risking a limited trades game. Um, yes, GWS is not quite contending. You know, they're still in the band of possible. Um, yeah. That gap in the top eight, realistically. It's elimination so, final at best, yeah, at best. Yeah, yeah. and it looks like, honestly, the top eight's sort of set. Yeah, now, I think so. The good thing for them in a way is they still need to play it out, I feel, just to start getting some positive momentum going into next season. I don't think they're a team that just sandbag with kids because, to be honest, they don't really have any other kids to show off. They've already showed off what they've got. They've exposed the underbelly of their list. We've seen guys that we never thought we'd see in the AFL playing now. So I think they've done that. They just need to say... If we can finish the season winning five of the last seven or yeah. something like that, you feel really good going into next year. So I, I want to ride with a guy like Rocky Whitford. I know on paper, North Melbourne's a great matchup. Yes, there's been some guys get tagged. Um, and I've heard some people say that Rocky Whitford's never um, really had a great run against North Melbourne recently. I had a mm-hmm. look into that. And he hasn't played them since he's really been what I would classify as Relevant? Real lucky Whitfield. Yeah. Like yeah. He, there's some games there where really, um, you know, just, yeah, he had a poor game, but it wasn't anything where I think that's, you know, a reason to be scared of him now. I personally think he does well on the weekend. He's a yeah. guy that you'd love to throw the VC on. Yeah, He's true. the ultimate VC type of player. So I'm not, I'm not scared off by it. Um, you know, Bailey Scott did a job on Brad Hill. Kane Turner's been doing some jobs. Ben Day. This is Lockie Whitfield. Oh, this is a yeah. guy that is one of the best workers in the game, one of the best burst scorers in the game, can put up a 40.5 minute. You could think he's on track for a poor score and he turns it into a great score. So, yeah, that's a guy that I want to be with. Um, Josh Kelly, MJM, is clearly AFL Fantasy. He's the most valuable one. Yeah, with he's that forward status. To move him out and he's got the yeah. forward status. Um, that's huge. Definitely comes into calculations in, in DT. And super coach. Um, I yep. think he's one of the most appealing guys in this buy round for a midfielder. So I think he's yeah. relevant there. But again, you've always got in the back of your mind there is risk. Um, it yep. is Josh Kelly. There's body concerns. But at the same time, he hasn't had his big ceiling game. That's probably that's the biggest really, thing, isn't it? You haven't yeah, seen that really 140 plus game. Me. Yeah. But like, I look at it with him and I go, that's coming. Like, I, I haven't yeah. missed it yet. Whereas I know some people say, oh, maybe the ceiling's not there. Um, the thing about a Josh Kelly ceiling game is it's big, big. So like it <laughs> couldn't be a thing where he's averaging a hundred yeah. and then he pops his, his 160 plus and you go, oh, it's a good season. He's averaging, you know, 107, 108. So that's encouraging to me. And I look at that fixture and I go between North Carlton, Hawthorne um, in that next three, like, yeah. I just feel like there's a ceiling game in there. You know, I just feel like there's one where, he just goes bang. So I think he's Well, he's one. got... You're right. He's got ceiling. His best ever score in Supercoach was a 205 against the Blues back in 2018. His best ever fantasy and dream team score was a 166 that same year yeah. against the Suns. So you're right. Historically, it's there. I'm, I'm interested to get your take on a, on a couple other guys before we move away. I think Tim Taranto looks like he's going to be a, a clear top-tier guy through the midfield in dream team and fantasy. You're playing top dollar for him now, but in terms of scoring consistency and as a captaincy option most weeks he is. I don't I wouldn't touch him in super coach. Just personally he's not as impactful. Um and then there's probably two other guys I'd be keen to get your take on. Um 
I'm all on the Nick Haynes train, so I should I might be a little bit too close to that one, but I'm a I'm a big fan of what it, like in Supercoach is about 300k, and he's got career years of being a 90s and high 80s averaging guy. He's back playing through that intercepting role. So for me in Supercoach, he feels like a hey if you need a cheap D6 that could slide to D7, it's like 150k from Highmore. Like it's actually ridiculous. Um, yeah. just how crazy it actually is to be able to get away that trade. So I think Haynes is a nice little option across your formats, but certainly more super coach favorable than the others. I suppose the other is Toby Green. The reason I want to bring him up is this. Um, the four line's terrible. Don't... Is that is that why I want to bring it up? Pretty much. Um, and then to throw in the mix of that, it doesn't seem to matter who we get in our premiums are finding ways to get ruled out of playing multiple games. Mm. So what have we got to lose? Because we know Toby can score well and has scored well this year. So T Green of the forward variety, an option? I think he's an option, but I think there's a guy we're going to talk about. I might might bring him forward next that I think makes this conversation a little bit tricky to bring in Toby. So back on Haynes. Um, I do like it because it is so cheap. Like we're talking, yeah. he's down, um, you know, 240k in DT on his starting price, like 411. Like that's a tier where if he can just get back to 85, yeah, it's crazy. It's probably enough. Again, I think there's another guy in that line that for 100k more, I think you will get a better points output. But yep. It's a good little rule of thumb. It's very hard to go wrong when you trade in a guy who's got an injury-impacted score of nine in DT that's about to roll out. Because if anything, you're going to probably get 50, 60, 70K in value if something ever happened to him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you can slide him to the bench. Like, it might be too soon for a Nick Haynes for a lot of teams in terms of, hey... I can't do any of my other upgrades. I'll just grab Nick Haynes as my D6 because I know he's going to play every game. Yeah. Um, but no, I think in Supercoach, he's great because there's that jump. You know, he can he can be a 90 guy um, yeah. without too much stress and it's a great run. Um, Patrick Dangerfield's the reason you're not taking on a guy like Toby Green because in two weeks, MJ, they're going to be pretty comparable in price. Yeah. Barring Dangerfield coming back and going nuts. Dang. Uh, if Dangerfield just goes, just say 100, 100, you're probably only talking 50K mm. in, in DT between those two. So for me, um, every day of the week, I'm taking on Dangerfield. Um, it's a good opportunity this week to have a look at him on a Thursday night yeah. and sort of plan around, okay, he scored this, his price is going to be around here. Um, what do I have to do in my trades this week? You know, maybe you thought you're going to take this guy and you go, actually, I really didn't want Dangerfield. I'm just going to have yeah. to take a cheaper guy. So that's where these brand analysis and these types and your Nick Haynes do come in. Because it's not so much about them. It's about what, what it allows. 100K allow me. Like yeah. in the forward line, it's horrible. You know, if you haven't got Aaron Hall, you're paying top dollar for Aaron Hall. Mm. You know? If you haven't got Jack Zebel, you're paying top dollar for Jack Zebel. Both have body concerns. Uh, mm. Dustin Martin hasn't had his buy yet, so you, you don't really want to be doing anything <laughs> with him. 
Um, again, in Oval Fantasy, you've got some other really great options like we spoke about. You know, yeah. There's Josh Kelly, there's there's Hunter, there's Fife, there's um, Billings. There's heaps of guys they added yeah. that have given us options throughout the year. Whereas in the other formats, <clears throat> you don't have that. So when you've got a guy nope. like Dangerfield who's rolled gold, um, I'd rather go, you know what? I'm going to take the cheap Nick Haynes and hope he averages 80 from now. Yeah. Because at least that would get me a Dangerfield who I think is 100, 100 plus. So... Yeah, Dangerfield's the one that everyone's looking at. The Cats have also got um, some of their real expensive guys. Um, Tom Stewart's a guy that just does a job. Mr. Reliable, isn't he? Not too much. Um, He'd be appealing. I think a lot of coaches do have, like we mentioned, the Lloyd, Mills, Laird, Crisp. So to get a guy that goes, you know what? Locks my, you know, back line away, comfortable. It's a, it's a safe and, and comfortable yeah, pick, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and safe's not safe. wrong, but he's also not the guy that if you're chasing down, I need a big 150 this week. Nah, uh, he, he, he's not your guy. So it, it all depends on what you're looking for out of your sides. Yeah. Now, he might not need to be the 150 guy. Your, your point of difference in that back line and that ceiling, it might be your Callum Mills, um, mm. who, given what he's delivered this year, is still incredibly low ownership, even amongst some of the top-tiered teams. So that's where Stuart might become appealing, where you go, you know what, I'll get Whitfield in a week. Um, I've still got two premium defenders to go. Yeah, I could go down low, but I'm going to go for just the consistent, deliberate pick of Stuart. So I think he's an option. Mitch Duncan is getting at his lowest. You're getting him at yeah. his lowest, Stuart. So that, yeah. that, as I said, hard to go super wrong. You're not getting him at a big, big price. Yeah. Duncan... Duncan's Probably a week or two away. Yeah, I think again, there's a big break even due to the injury score. Yeah, um, against the Suns, I think there's a few people that are a bit scarred by Mitch Duncan. It happens most people, years, doesn't it? I think a lot of people have brought him in. Um, you think back to the last year, a lot of people mm-hmm. brought him in off that hamstring. He came out, went bang. Yeah, we thought, okay, I thought I was going to get this guy cheaper in a week or two. Everyone scrambles to get on. Yeah. And then he has a really poor stretch of form. Now you throw in Dangerfield's going to be back. Yeah, he will. How, how does this impact a guy like Mitch Duncan? Like, is it going to be a lot? Like, ideally, what you want is if Duncan starts getting to, you know, just to use D10 dollars, if he starts getting to 730, 740, yeah. it's a lot more palatable. When it's 800 plus, I find it really hard because this is what he seems to do. Every yeah. time you expect him to do really well, he lets you down a little bit. Yeah. And then when no one's on him, he puts together a resume that says, <laughs> how did we all miss this guy? So there's a little bit of that. And as I said, it's a tough price to pay. Like it's just so much. Yeah. Um, again, Guthrie with the shoulder, he's obviously ruled himself out for a lot of people. Yeah. I think a lot of people did have him. Um, loved what he did last year in a full midfield. Yeah, followed you know, it up this year. Just score. Um, so he was ultra impressive. Um, mm. What about the Hawks? I think the Hawks is a really fascinating one. Um, I think on I name, think the best. Yeah, it's Tom Mitchell on name. Correct. But but I don't think if he's the most important hawk for us on the run home, I think the most important hawk for us on the run home is Jai Newcomb, who they picked up in the mid-season draft. So it's not an upgrade, but he is the most important Hawk because um, he's been in that Hawthorne ecosystem, albeit at the Box Hill Hawks, 
um, in the VFL, but but he's been in and around that Hawthorne game style and structure. There's a lot of um, parallels between the way Sam Mitchell has been coaching in game style and emphasis um, as uh, what we're seeing in, in the Box Hill Hawks as what Hawthorne have been attempting to do. They're clearly, clearly in the middle of a rebuild. You don't get yourself a, a, a rumoured, what was it, a four-year deal? Out of the mid-season Dude. draft, what was it? Uh, or Good a four-year deal? Good money. Salary of other rookies. So, so clearly the club rate him. He adds something to a midfield that that is a little bit bland, to be fair. No knocking on any of their midfielders. Like Shields is a worker. Um, Warple is, is a tough nut. Mitchell's a Brownlow medalist. Um, and O'Meara, had it not been for a couple of... Um, knee injuries could have been a generational talent. Um, so, so there's ability through there. But I, I think Newcomb's the most important hawk that's going to come in. I actually think he plays this week. I, I think they're that well, high that on be, him. That would be the top. A lot of coaches MJ, would be thrilled with that because I think there's a lot of people's um, upgrades hinging on a guy. Yeah, like they need that Newcomb. one last downgrade. Yeah. Yeah, especially because he's by free. That's the ultimate. That's yeah. That's the thing we all love this time of year. Again, I, I made an effort to watch a bit of Newcomb just to see the type of player he is because he's clearly appealing, like you said. If he's playing for starters, yeah. it's appealing. Uh, yeah. He's ticked every box at VFL level, clearly. That's why he got picked up. Yep. Um, he's by free. Um, he seems to use the ball. Um, he's more he's of a solid. south type of guy. Like, no, he's yep. got a quite good sense for where to put it, put it to the guy's advantage. And he's a guy that likes to get forward. When you look at a lot of the Hawks, mids, your Warples, your Mitchells. They like to go sideways a lot. You know, yeah. ball, handball. Like, they're, they're assist type of players. Um, yeah. I think that's why there's always an appeal to put Wingard in there because Wingard's very north-south. He wants to attack the goals. He wants mm. to get forward. He wants to run and carry. Um, yeah. So, I was impressed by Newcomb in that sense. Now, is that just because um, he's the best player in the team and he might be the best player in the league? Um, yeah, maybe. At that level, you know, does he feel that confidence to, to break through, to take those kicks? Um, but it was a little bit different because I, when I heard of the pick, I thought, like you said then, Warple, Mitchell, Shields, O'Meara, you know, it's a bit same, 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 same. Mm. You know, where's that, where's that burst? Just because you're an inside player doesn't mean you have to be slow. You know, you look no, at that's what right. Oliver does. You look at what Bontempelli does. You look at what even Tom Liberatore does with a different type of build. Like, yeah. Still dynamic guys. Matt Crouch, so yeah. If he's in there, um, you'd expect him to play a key role. Um, oh, I and agree. Me, and I think he does. Tom Mitchell, Tom Mitchell um, not very appealing um, for me. I just think, yeah, is he going to get those big, big points? Um, well, he hasn't really been monster. Conducive. He's not been no, the he's monster. He's been very solid. He's been... Uh, your 105 type guy in fantasy and DT. He's been your 110 guy in Supercoach, which are perfectly fine with the odd one that really, really pops. But what he's given us this year, which we haven't seen from Tom from arguably his entire time at Hawthorne, is his scoring floor is considerably lower. Um, and that game style um, that the Hawks are, are in the process of evolving doesn't seem to unite to that high fantasy-friendly scoring from him week in and week out. And so I think yeah. if you're a Mitchell owner, he's fine. There's nothing to panic. He's not going to be the yeah, reason you, you lose him, your season. Yeah, exactly. He's probably goes at the 105 you've got him at. 
Yeah. Um, I think the interesting thing is like his first year at Hawthorne, I believe, or one of his two big years, he was the guy that no deviation, just big every week, just yeah. 120 odd pretty much every week. Doesn't let you down. Yep. The second, the other season, remember MJ, he did have the floor, but mm. on the flip side, he had the biggest ceiling. He had 150 right. ceiling. And, and yeah. you look at this season, the high score is 133. Uh, there's three others above 120. Now, in the last five weeks, three of those scores, three of his biggest scores have come. Now, on the flip side, two of Some his lowest three have come as well. As well. Yeah. And they're both, and, and awkwardly, the two low ones in that stretch are North and Gold Coast, where people yeah. probably had an expectation for a of big score. So scores, for yeah. me, it just doesn't, doesn't smell right. It doesn't feel yep. right. Um, again, it just feels like he's not going to get this season to that level that we think of. Yep, um, I think it's fair. And now, if, if his ownership, I think that's a guy that you can deviate a little bit and hope you find um, some better fortune. And maybe this is uh, a good transition to another team that's off the bye and play as we record tomorrow night. Port Adelaide, right. for me, has a guy that Again, I spoke about Patrick Dangerfield being the guy that makes you not pick Toby Green. Mm-hmm. I think Dan Houston can be the guy that makes you question Nick Haynes. Um, yeah, true. I think for 100K, Dan Houston, when healthy, yep. that's always a risk with a shoulder. That's, that's a one that, and it's already happened to him a couple of times, can, yeah. um, can linger, can reoccur. Um, but I think at his price... And he, the roles he can play in that team where he can score in the midfield, score in defense. Yeah. Um, Port's just a great team. They're just great. They're just strong. And they're really fighting for that top four. So there's no going to be foot off the gas. And I just think Not at all. for 100K, I can see Houston putting 15 to 20 points on a Haynes a week. Yeah. Um, and I think he's a guy that's really appealing. When you start looking at your Tom Stewart's, at 120, 140k more, yeah. you think over a nine game stretch, like if you take away... What's the gap? Yeah. You know, I know that's always, we always say that, it's, it is hard to take away those scores, but if you yeah. if you believe that injuries not going to occur in those nine rounds, nine, 10 rounds to go, him and Tom Stewart are basically the same player, yeah. average wise. So yep. to get a guy that much cheaper, like we always say, what does that allow you to do? Does and he's arguably you- got a higher ceiling than Stewart as well. He, he absolutely does. Um, so yeah. I think he's the guy that is the most appealing off from Port. There is one, well, there's probably two you have to mention. Um, I find it hard to pick this guy because sure. I feel like you've missed the run and that's Ollie Wines. Um, yeah. Ultra impressive. I think we've all been waiting for um, this type of season from Ollie and he's been yeah. awesome. He's just been flat out awesome, especially his yeah. most recent form. Um, super impressive. You could take him. You know, over a Tom Mitchell, maybe that's where you go unique. Yeah, maybe. Again, I think I like this guy more just because oh, last man. year he did, if you're hoping what I'm hoping, last year Travis Boak started red hot. Yeah. Unbelievable form. Um, just looked like a different player. Just mm-hmm. incredible to play as well as he did. And he, and he deserved his high finish in the Brownlow. This year... We haven't seen those big games. Like look at this point of the season, he's averaging ninety six, MJ. Yeah. The funny thing with Travis is, this is his, his highest is one thirteen, his lowest is eighty two. In dream team and fantasy. In dream team, there's only three tons 
this season. So I think about a guy like Travis Boak, and I think, yeah, I probably see him as a hundred guy by season's end. So for me, yeah. that says, okay, he's 105 on the for run the home. And I look at some of these matchups coming up. Yeah, Geelong's tough, but at least it's at Adelaide Oval. Yep. Then you look at the next few. Gold Coast, Sydney, Hawthorne, Melbourne. Then you get St. Kilda. St. <laughs> Kilda, Collingwood, GWS, Adelaide, Carlton. And then in round 23, you have Important. the Dogs. Now, depending on where that is, in terms of where they're at in the ladder, you know, Venue, are the Dogs yeah. confirmed top two? Um, again, by that point in the season, you don't even, who knows? Yeah, yeah, But you yeah. think it's going to be important. I just look at that and I go, can you see a couple 120s in, mm. with Travis Boak? It's like, again, he's 667, he's 672. So really it's him and Brandon Ellis. You know, yeah. if you're looking in that basket of sheep up, Ceiling. you know, Brandon Ellis, Brandon Ellis has the 105. Travis Boak has a 95. Now, you're not paying 105 average for Brandon Ellis. He's come back to earth a little bit with that tough stretch. I but I think those two are in a boat where you go, it only takes one big game for Travis Boak, and all of a sudden, that season average is looking really nice again. Yeah. Um, again, I don't think there's much risk there. I feel like if you get him, he's going to give you a 95. But he could give you a 115. Yeah. yeah, he could give you a 115, MJ. That's what he started last half, the last half of it. The first half of last year, with so oh, I'm I'm a really big rap on him. If you're shopping for a bit of value, and I say like, it's not just 100k here; it's multiple weeks of doing that. Yeah. And if that Travis Boak matches that Tom Mitchell for 70k, it's a big win because this stuff adds up real quick. So I'm a big rap for Travis Boak. Um, he just feels like a guy to me that would actually reflect on that and say, "Hey, I started super well last year." Mm. I really want to make an effort to be playing that footy I played in the first half yeah. in the back end. Um, so for me, he's a guy that I'm really interested in just to see um, break even, you know, it's, it's a little bit higher maybe than you'd want. It's not, it's 115. So again, for what I'm expecting, um, I'm going to call it base value. And I just feel like yeah. no one's giving him any respect. It was in 4% of teams and, and those were teams that really um, were on from the jump. It's not, you know, no one's got on since the season started because he hasn't had a stretch that's caught people's attention. But I feel like I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. From now to the end of the season, I want that guy that I'm not paying big bucks for. But yeah. He's going to deliver equal to those guys that are in that 800k bracket. I'm a really big rap on him in Supercoach. While his ownership is considerably higher in that format, it's 19% of coaches own him in there. And he has only had one ton in his past month, um, which you go, oh, no, that's not good. But hang on. He's also had only two scores under 96 all year. Um, and he's really only had the one ceiling game in Supercoach. That was round one against the Roos. The rest are low hundreds or 120 or 121. So, yeah, you look at that I mean, Maybe you go, that's that's good. I haven't missed the ceiling. Like, that's the thing, that's that, right. You can put that spin on. So, again, I like to bet on these, these almost guys as people. Like, I think at Brandon Ellison, I go, I trust this guy on the field, hard yeah. worker, like, you know what type of game he's going to play. Yeah, some weeks he's not going to get the marks. He's not going to get the disposals. Yeah. And like Travis spoke, like you can never question that guy's. Yeah, he's a workhorse. Like you just know he's going to work for you. Yeah. And, I, and again, there's just something about him. And again, I'm personally, I'm toing and froing between those two. At the moment, it's 
Ellis just for a little bit of the cash and maybe the matchup. You know, maybe I yeah. think that, you know, just planning my side, like, you know, Boak's going to be there for me next week. You know, Geelong is a hard matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like he's the type of guy that you really got to have on your radar because, yeah, he can he can deliver for you. Um, yeah, I think what about so. the last team, MJ? The last team in the North. Oh, well, we don't have to spend a whole heap of time on this one because normally we'd say North Melbourne is the black hole of fantasy footy relevance. Um, mm-hmm. But they've got a couple of guys. Um, the big two forwards are the ones everyone's going to talk about. But maybe we'll steer super, we'll go super coach for just a second before we talk about those two big forwards. Talk to me about Ben Cunnington. Just a touch under 550,000 in that format, like $200 is what I'm talking about. He's averaging 120 in his last five, and he's had three scores over 130. He's not value because, like, a boke is cheaper. So he's not a value pick, but just 3% of the competition own him. And so, what's your take on Ben? Cunnington. Mm, MJ, it's hard because he's at 550k now. I think we mentioned the preseason, you know, a guy like him who has shown triple figure ability at 440, mm. uh, you know, he's competing with the Matt Rouse in that yeah. range. So that, that was quite appealing. Obviously, the momentum of his preseason stocks was gone because he wasn't going to play in round one. So yeah. um, it's always interesting when these guys come in. And the good thing for Ben is he has played from round three onwards. So there hasn't yep. been in, out, in, out. Um, clearly, it's been the last five weeks, he's been electric. You know, he's, like you said, he's got three scores above 130 in that format. Yep. He's got a 66 against Collingwood that sort of kept the price down. But even that just rolled out the previous week. So when you're at 550, um, again, it's getting to me for the getting what you pay for territory. I sort of see him as, you know, he's averaging 103. It probably feels like, 103 yeah. now on in. Um, yeah, it's about right. Do, do you find someone elsewhere? Like, you're paying more for him than Christian Petrarca. You know, like... Yeah, it, feels wrong about that. Sure cheaper. It's just, you know, Sam Walsh is 10K more. Like, I'd rather wait the week... And get, get some of Sam these Walsh. guys. Yeah, personally, I would. Um, and then I always worry about teams in North's position. Yeah. Now, Cunnington might be immune to this because he is so good. Like, he is genuinely one of the best players in the competition at what he does at extracting the ball mm. and giving it off. Like, he's, there really isn't other roles. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, and we saw it last year with Luke McDonald, he became the most informed defender in the league yeah. when he had that switch. And, and coincidentally, it's the role that Zeebel and, and Hall are both <laughs> having currently. It's the most prosperous role in football. Uh, but these things get thrown around. The buy happens. Um, players get moved in different positions. Some players, you know, go in for surgery. Um, some players just get different roles just to see what happens. Mm. Um, so there can be some opportunity there. Maybe North's not the team. Now, if someone took over the Zeeble and Aaron Hall role where you're getting 33 points from kickouts and switches alone... Yep. You know, any player would become on our radar. You'd have to respect the role. But at this stage, I haven't seen anything um, from them that makes me um, really jump out. You're paying top dollar for Zeeble and Hall. Um, some, will, yep. some people will feel comfortable with that. Some people won't. Um, for me, it is probably a bit risky, um, mm-hmm. especially when you're trading in players that 
the highly ranked coaches already have. You're not making up any points with them. Let's be honest. Yeah. I'd look look elsewhere, MJ. Yeah. No, Zeeble for me is a no across all the formats. Like, without even thinking about it, for me, it's like, hey, you've missed the ceiling. When Hall's playing, his scoring is considerably softened anyway in terms of ceiling. Still fine, but considerably softened. And then Hall, you just... You just know if you're an owner, and I am in, in, in a couple of the formats. I know you are as well. As a whole owner, you're just holding on for this run to keep going. Not in terms of the role, but because you know durability is his issue, not his scoring potential. Um, he's yep. shown at Gold Coast he's a fantasy footballer when he's given the opportunity and the role, and he's got both those things right now. So all you're doing as an owner is you're just banking the points holding on that just for that extra week for that extra week for that extra week and if it keeps going to the end of the year you look like a genius but but again it's all about where are you positioned what's your priorities and how are you going to get there um and if you're playing catch up on the top ranked guys i'm telling you they've probably already got him so you're not setting yourself apart go and look elsewhere if you're trying to defeat someone in a head-to-head matchup in leagues, now's not that time where you play that negative move. Rather, that's a bit more of a finals type scenario where you're mm. like, I'm going to counter the influence of a haul. So now for me, it's a, if you've got that amount of money, look, AFL Fantasy is a little bit cheaper, like he's 750 so or so, so it's comparable and a defender forward. So maybe in that mm. format, I'd, I'd, I'd kind it's of go... It's the forward, isn't it, MJ? It's the forward yeah. that's so appealing because there's no one else that you you really like that's yeah, that's available you know i, I think zorko is a great pick in in all formats but you don't even have it for two weeks so <laughs> that's right yeah yes for, for me hall's the only one i'd i'd be open to saying there's still some some love to get out of him but yeah, yeah no i i think Again, the, I like the boat if you're highly ranked if you know what i mean like you're doing to it, defend you yeah doing you're doing it negatively and again in a way, you're not because you're, you're spending up to 200k more than those people. So, um, we got any questions coming through, MJ? Yeah, man, we got plenty of questions that we can roll through from some of our, our great Love patrons, it. both the live patrons that are watching this streaming live. They're going to drop them in the chat, and also those that have thrown it out for us. All right, uh, John wants to know some possible uh, low-priced downgrades to consider. Um, yep. he's looking for across the line. Who are some cows that uh, we know that are coming or should get opportunities soon from your eyes, uh, whether or not we jump early or we get them now, like at the moment, Bianco and Callum Coleman Jones are the, probably the biggest two on the bubble yep. for us this week. Um, who are some cows that maybe haven't been named yet that we can have some, some hope that they're coming. Yeah. Well, Newcomb's obviously the one everyone's hoping for. So I think, yeah, Oh, basement everyone would jump on him for every reason um i think valenti would have to be pretty close as well mj just seeing some of the injuries at Fremantle. Um, yeah we liked what we've heard from him it's always a little bit concerning when they haven't found their way in um yet so that's always a little bit of a worry yeah. um outside of that there's always going to be someone you know that emerges um i think the thing you have to be careful of is what's what I'm saying about value is if you're yeah. really relying on a downgrade to be your on savior, field. you know, to, yeah, like it's just, you've got to restructure that and go, I can't take the big dogs. I've just got to take the value. So at this stage, um, there's no one screaming out for me that I think 
will come through. They will come through. Absolutely. There's plenty of footy to be played. Yep. Um, but at this stage, just keep your ear to the ground. And honestly, plan assuming that you don't have a downgrade. You know, you might have to um, just yeah take those cheaper guys and build out that side. And then if they emerge and they play well, you know, you've always got the ability to downgrade that premium and restructure elsewhere. So um, we've seen it in the past. We've had Witherden. You know, that was the type of play where you went, you know what? This guy's scoring so well at his price that yeah. I can take that cash, even though I'm already full premium, and actually go from primos to uber yep. premium so that stuff will happen um i wouldn't be banking on anything but as i said they they will come through at this stage i don't have anyone that i'm really hanging out for outside of probably nukem i reckon the, there's a couple of others that you might pop through soon i think a josh worrell a defensive forward from the crows has been banging the door down i think it's just a, a question of time when he gets in um Equally, I, I think a, a Luke Pedler from Adelaide again. O'Connor, he's just, in my opinion, he's still so far away from being that developed option. So I think there's an opportunity for him in through there, even with Barry coming back this week from concussion. Um, and then it is all about is looking at teams that are rebuilding and regenerating yeah. and who haven't been given opportunities yet. That That's ultimately the best place to go. If you're not on the Ned Reeves chain, um, mm. he's certainly a downgrade option for you into R3 or maybe a playing R2. Um, he, he's right on that mix. And so maybe um, you held Grundy and maybe have opened up some DPP with Callum Coleman-Jones already. He's certainly, if you haven't got Jones in Supercoach, he's going to play for the next couple of weeks without Tom Lynch. Um, Bianco's the obvious one that, again, if you're not on him in your limited trades, Collingwood are clearly, and with the news of Buckley uh, wrapping up at the end of this round of footy, they're clearly all systems in uh, on a rebuild. And so, yeah, from my perspective, um, 100%, um, there's there's going to be ones that will pop up, but you just don't oh, bank on Joel them. Joel Lamarty would have to be one as well. And yeah, yeah, good call. He really impressed me on the weekend. Again, yeah. the beautiful thing about, about Joel is you can actually wait till he clears the bias and That's then true. bring him in. So, um, yeah, it's important, but I think as well, you got to remember is sometimes you can get in trouble trading away your players that are actually playing every week on the bench. You know, your yeah. Harry Joneses, your Scots, you trade away for 100, 100K and then you have no cover and you, and you yeah. really want that 40 points in a future week. So, um, yeah, I think those guys will emerge, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be rushing and doing anything crazy. Um, to make stuff happen with them. Yeah. And, and again, with cows at this point in time of the year, um, you're not banking on them to be on your field for more than a week or two through this next couple of multi-buys. The ideal, again, um, it might yeah, be more challenging. Bench guys. Bench, bench guys, guys sure. are only. Um, and so for me, yeah, I, I, I don't anyone, think so. You want to be playing your Lockie Joneses, your Biancos, your Reeves. Maybe that's the three at the moment. I think, you know, a pool, so you're probably yeah, Robertson. out on, you know, yeah, yeah Robertson yeah. again, you, maybe you're catching out this week. But again, we all know yeah. the type of guys that we, we have that we're, we're riding with that are there for us. Um, so, yeah. But what else have we got, MJ? 
Uh, we've got another one. Uh, Sriram wants to know in Dream Team, he's looking for some value. Uh, thoughts on Lockie Hunter, Toby Green. We've already shared a little bit about him. And yep. also Kyle Langford. What's your take on those guys? So this is real Dream Team format. So yep. Hunter is forward eligible in AFL Fantasy, but he's mid only in DT. What's your take on those guys? I think we went through green. I think there's better options. Um, Hunter's appealing just due to his price. Um, he there's no real ceiling the there, is there, though? That's the only well, thing for me. The role's not the role of Lockie Hunter being a genuine premium. Um, yeah. The four, again, it's it's nice as a forward. It's 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 90s. Yeah. He can be 90s. Um, but in his current role, he's not a big, big dog. So I think you've got to really work out what your expectation is. You know, you're paying 600 are you paying 600 for a 90? Are you paying it for a hundred? What do you, what do you think there? Cause again, we just reeled off two guys in Brandon Ellis and Travis Boak that can go 115 for a stretch. And I don't see that in Hunter's current setup. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, he's safe and he's decent. Um, but there's nothing extraordinary there. Now, now Langford has been really impressive. Um, he's been better than I could know, have he's, imagined. He's got, he's got 400s in his, in his past five, he ticks a lot of boxes. The, the way yep. he plays, it's, um, you know, it's sort of what we've all sort of expected of him from the flashes he's shown. So it's a credit yep. to him that he's really putting together, um, you know, it has to be a breakout season. Now, yeah, it is. Andrew McGrath's gone down. Um, it's opportunity. The way Langford plays, like he's not really like in an under contested bull bursting away. He's sort of one of those guys that does everything well. Like he's not Solid. outstanding, yeah. but he, you know, he's capable forward. He can mark. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's one of those ones that it, it sucks because you're paying about 90k more than you were a month ago. So month in this ago. situation, like you want to be finding the next Kyle Langford. That's always the challenge. Um, so for me, it's appealing. But as I said with Dangerfield, in two weeks, Dangerfield could be within 20, 30k of this guy. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. think you've got too many upgrades to go. Um, and especially Langford's on the buy this week. So Dangerfield's going to have one price drop and you can see where you're at. So for me, um, I'm going elsewhere and I'm going yeah. probably to Dangerfield. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Brendan wants to know in Dream Team, Ellis, Kelly, Boak or Wines? If you can pick one, yeah, wow. who are you going to pick? Ellis, Kelly, that's of the Josh variety. Yeah. Uh, Boak or Wines? Who are you picking, Kane? Well, if money's not an issue, I'm probably going Kelly wines and then i'm very ellison boke is he's pretty much been my whole week trying to work that out so um just for the cash and i've seen a bit more ceiling this year um, yeah which i know is sort of the argument i used against travis boke is i'm hoping that that switch will be flicked but at least with brendan ellis he is playing in that dominant fantasy side i'll probably give the nose to brendan ellis um, mm-hmm. But that's a really close four. That's not, you know, a big gulf between. Yeah, um, I don't think you can go too wrong with him. I think Kelly, as I said, you're just hoping that there's the ceiling. He's going to go bang. Um, but yeah, I think wines, what you're paying for, you know, maybe it's pretty close. Maybe there's a slight gap between Kelly and wines and then wines, Ellis and Boke are very much back to back to back, factoring in value and, and what's to come. But I really, I do like all of those guys. I don't think you can be too um, disheartened. They're not obviously Uber tier outside of Kelly. Nope. Um, you know, they're not, they're not going to contend with the parishes, the McCrae's, um, those type of guys, the yep. others, but they're very good. 
Yeah, they're not too bad. I like that. Um, AJS wants to know for AFL Fantasy is getting Reeves solely for cash generation an okay move? Um, yes, mate. Even if he's Absolutely. not on field, uh, you're right. That break even's well, tasty, AJS. Go there's for gonna it. Be, there's going to be any, there's probably no ruck structure in a competitive team that he won't be on the field in round 14. So he is helping you Correct. there. Um, and I think that's the one where we all need extra help now. So I think you can serve two roles there. Um, and that's the thing, you can't forego cash. Like, take it when it's there. Through the season, MJ. We're halfway yep. through. Again, having more cash, I said this to you the other day, having more cash has never made it hard, never made it worse for you in a fantasy game than nope. having less. So, no. um, I think if you can strengthen that, especially in a line where you don't get too many guys usually coming through, probably enough, we've got an influx of guys at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, the likes of Max Lynch should be out once Grundy's back. Yeah, um, Amadi was impressive, but again, I think you can probably wait on him in in yep. terms of again. I personally, I cannot take on another round fourteen player, so I'd rather pay the extra thirty forty k if he looks brilliant. If he's locked in, um, I'll concede I have to do that. But yes, you can definitely take on Reeves and um, just have him sitting there. And again, he'll help you out at one of the buy rounds at least. Um, he'll generate cash, and and maybe if you need him to pinch hit for a week. Um, he can do that too. Yeah, no, I think so. I think that's a really fair call, my friend. Uh, last couple of questions. Paul wants to know, a move such as a Heaney to a Haynes in AFL Fantasy this week, are these the sort of moves we should be looking for in this format of the game of AFL Fantasy? Yes, in short, they are the moves you should be looking at. Um, yeah. The thing... And I'd be curious to know what, what Paul's position is because... Um, uh, Paul's doing pretty well. No, he's no, up I, at I the top. I know he's doing very well, MJ, more structurally buy-wise. Okay. Um, so for me, as an example, I'm very backloaded in round 14. So round 13, for me, was already going to be moving on round 14 players. So yeah. pretty much there's eight round 14 guys, oh, sorry, seven round 14 guys that I want to clear in the next two weeks. Yeah. So my point is... If Paul's in a similar position to that, you're weighing up, does Heaney need to go this week or is there someone else that can go this week and give Heaney another week? Because for me against Hawthorne, um, it's a pretty good matchup for a yeah. forward, especially when Heaney's still got that 130, um, keeping his break even quite low. Um, so if he has to go this week because, you know, you've got guys that's going to make more money or score better, um, I have no problem yeah. with that trade. I just think when Heaney's got one more week and it's a handy matchup, uh, yeah. I'd be encouraging holding him and moving someone else on. Like a Jordan um, sort just of because, thing. Yeah, Jordan. I think, I think Heaney outscores Jordan this week. I know Jordan's playing the Pies, but um, you know he's sort of done his job. And yeah, he has. It's just one of those ones you have to make a call sometimes. Um, yep. And if, the guys, if one guy's got a higher break-even... And he's the guy in his first year playing at the level compared to Isaac Heaney, who has the ceiling. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go that way. But, hey, you might be in a position where you can do that and you're happy with everyone else you've got. So Yeah. Um, well, Paul's just said in the chat, because he's watching this live, uh, he said he's got 13 round 14s before the trade. Yeah, so he's in a similar he's in a so position. It, it's so farm those guys out, yeah. Yeah, it's farm those guys out. So I'd be just saying, okay... You know, I want to get to 18 at a minimum. Um, 
find that list, create that list of guys that have to go in the next two weeks. Yeah. Look at the break even, look at the matchup, look at their average. Um, who needs to go this week or who should be prioritized going this week? And MJ, the other thing with mm. this is, it's not just who should go, it's what can you get from them? Yeah. It's going to be more appealing for some people to trade out Jordan over RCD because you can get to a 200K better player. So that's yeah, where it all comes into that combina- combination. So weigh that all up um, and work out what's best for you. Yeah, I like that. All right, our final question of the podcast, and it is not fantasy footy relevant whatsoever, but I love it. John Bolland wants to know, do you think the Pies should consider moving Brody Grundy seeing as though they're heading towards a rebuild. Would um, you move him on? It's a hard question, MJ, because I don't know what I'm getting in return. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure who, who would, what they, someone would give up to Brody Grundy. I'm racking my brain of teams that are crying out for someone. Like, clearly Brody Grundy would be an upgrade on a Scott set, you know, he's South sure. Australian, you know. Yeah. But if you're Collingwood, are you going to accept a first round pick from Port Adelaide that, you know, if they're finishing top four? It's a late first round. You know, we, yeah. know, we, know, we know how compromised the draft is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one of those ones where... Draft picks do you know, nothing for Collingwood this year with day Yeah, if we want to get real nerdy and get in on that stuff, it makes it challenging. Um, yeah. Personally, if I'm Collingwood... Brody Grundy is the exact type of guy I want in my team as I rebuild. Yeah, Yeah, I just think you're not going to get the value for what this guy is. Um, The stuff I've heard about him is that he's well-liked. And this stuff can turn really quick. You know, people were saying that, you know, a couple, even a year or so ago, you know, does Josh Kennedy just retire? Does a Buddy Franklin retire? Do they move on a Luke Parker? Do they, Mm. like, and now all of a sudden these guys are back in the top eight. And I'm not saying that will happen with Collingwood. You know, they've got a lot of things to overcome that, you know, Sydney has a lot of advantages in, but it can turn really quickly, you know? What about a team like a Geelong then, who who have some talented kids not getting chances? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't see them as that talented though. That's that's the thing. And that's, I think, a little bit of a misnomer about the guys at Geelong is, is if they were that talented... They would be in the side because they'd be helping them win a premiership right now. I think that's the thing. And now that's not a knock on those guys in terms of um, can they make it? Again, Narcos is it looks like a good player. You know, even even guys like Jordan Clark, they look like good players. But clearly, in the immediate term, they don't believe they are going to have that desired result. They would rather you know go down the route they're going down. Um, You know, it is interesting that Stephen Wells, one of the greatest list managers of all time left the club mm. apparently not great terms so um, you know that obviously says something for him not agreeing with the way that things have been done if you ask me um, yep but that's what they're doing so um i just can't see anyone giving the compensation that someone would want for a Brody grundy if you think about the dollars that grundy's on and what a player if you're talking about a million dollar player or even 900 plus you know there are multiple first round picks inside the top five or six like what would you yeah. give up for Dusty? What would you give up for Bond? What would yeah. you give up for a Christian Petrarchan? Right? Like, again, now Grundy's not playing at that level, but that's what 
That's what he's worth. He'll be valued at. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not going to get that. So I think he's got to ride with him. And um, yeah, it'll be really interesting, MJ, one, who takes on that coaching role and two, what they Mm -hmm. do in the run home because, um, yeah, it happens every year. You think there's nothing in trade period or there's nothing in in footy that's really going to shake things up and, you know, one story breaks and the ripple effect is um, out of control. Well, that's it. A couple of years ago, Lockie Neal pops out of nowhere and is heading to Brisbane. Last year, it was an Adam Trelaw. There'll be Joe Danaher um, was heading to Sydney Josh randomly. Was nearly gone. Yeah, so it, it'll happen again this year, where a, a guy that nobody anticipates or expects um, will either get somewhere or will be heavily linked. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how that all kind of ends. Hey, mate, appreciate your uh, work today on this episode. No worries, MJ. Of course, it was. It was was. Uh, a big week of footy. Round thirteen gets underway Thursday night, and even with the shorter shorter amount of games, it ends Monday afternoon evening with the Queen's birthday clash uh, between Collingwood and Melbourne. So it is a long weekend of footy. Uh, The positive of that is we get to see lots of different things. You can focus and analyse on each game uniquely and you don't have to cram as much stuff into the weekend. Uh, If you want to go and check out any of the articles that have been dropping right throughout this week, regardless of the format you play, all the links you can find at coachespanel.tv. It's also there where you can find the Patreon supporter group link where you get heaps of exclusive access and content including you get to be a part of the live podcast recordings you get to have live interaction right along the way yep guys like paul ajs john um jordan and a bunch of others have been getting involved in asking questions and you don't even know They've been asking questions right throughout this episode. Hey, good luck this week. I hope round 13 is kind to you. Remember, best 18. Your teams are on the bye this week. They are locked out at the the commencement of that final game of the round. I hope your captain and vice captain flies. I hope you get the cows you need. But from all of us here at the coaches panel, well, we'll chat to you soon.